Welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. Let's dig in to 13 weeks of NFL data to look for takeaways from each team. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and learn some at once. In Arizona, Trey McBride is due a big game. Marcus Brown points finally started to creep towards expectation in week 12, finishing as wide receiver 24 on the week. There is still more left in his progress upwards, but I think he's still limited by his red zone role. He has 14.3% of the red zone touches per game this season and 0% of the last three games. That limits his ceiling a little bit, but he's still got more good games in his future. Trey McBride is the second on the team in route share, behind Brown, but hasn't scored a touchdown since week 8 and only has one touchdown on the season. He is currently scoring a touchdown every 521 receiving yards, and last week took 28% of the touches inside the red zone. Right now, he's balanced to score more touchdowns one way or the other. In Atlanta, Pitts and London are also due touchdowns, and Bajon Robinson is dominating volume, I just like to say that. According to 4-4's adjusted fantasy points allowed, Kyle Pitts has the best matchup on the team this week. It's the 10th most favorable matchup for his position. But Drake London is also receiving or scoring 293 yards per touchdown. Again, the average is typically around 150 or between 100 and 200. But Pitts hasn't had a touchdown since week 6, and before last week, hadn't had less than 30 receiving yards or 4 targets since that time. It might be a slow myopic offense overall, but the volume and opportunities eventually add up. In Carolina, Chubba Hubbard gets the red zone work and has a spike week in a congested backfield. Miles Sanders had his lead in touches inside the 20 yard line in week 11. Against, but against Tennessee this week, Chubba Hubbard took the lead. By and large, this remains a congested backfield, but Hubbard had has more often had over 60% of the snaps, whilst Miles Sanders typically remains under 40. Having said that, after last week, Sanders is now due to some touchdown regression, having 422 yards per touchdown compared to Chubba Hubbard's 309, both of which are twice the average. Hubbard is more consistent as a start, but depending on the red zone work, both can have upside week over week. The downside, however, is still a heavy risk. Hubbard finishes running back 11 this week, for example, but Sanders remained outside the top 50. Adam Thielen also had a bad week finishing outside the top 40 at the position for the first time since week one. He's still someone you should likely start every week because of his top 12 weighted opportunity rating and his 15th rank in points per game. In Cincinnati, Jake Browning shows progress in week 12. First off, an apology. Last week I said Browning scored 18 PPR points. Somehow I combined both his and Joe Burrow's scoring. As it is, he's barely crested that mark by combining both his weeks. 10.7 PPR points last week and 12 points the week just gone. However, he did put up a better showing than we could probably expect with a 73% completion rate on 26 pass attempts. Was enough to help Jamar Chase out too much or get inside the top 24. He barely finished in front of the top 36 at the position with 12.1 PPR points. But that does keep his upside intact and makes him a top 12 start for week 13 at the position. On the positive side, besides the completion rate, was the team's tendency to pass. 70% of all their attempts were passing in week 12, and the team's red zone attempts were, were all through the air. 
For Cleveland, Kareem Hunt caps the upside, but the workload is still interesting for Jerome Ford. Kareem Hunt has a, is still a distant second in volume, with his lowest snap share since week 7, 26% last week, but still clings to his utility in the red zone, taking on the three of the team's nine rushing attempts inside the 20-yard line. Ford still held second most touches in the area of the field, 25%, and a healthy 37% of rushing attempts overall, and 18% of the targets. He's still someone I'd start most weeks for most teams, I think. In Denver, Russell Wilson has shown some signs of life in the last few weeks, while Javante Williams continues to threaten regression. Russell Wilson has finished inside the top 12 twice out of the last three weeks, and his touchdown rate has been close to his career average, 117 yards per touchdown, in that time something he was never able to manage in 2022. Javante Williams continues to have very promising u- usage, hitting a season-high 70% of snaps in Week 12, and 12% or a bounce back to 12% of the team's routes. But he still only finishes running back 28, and is averaging 323 yards per touchdown, again, twice the average. Or in other words, half the number of touchdowns he should have. Especially given his team leading 37, 35% of red zone touches this year. At some point, it should happen. For Detroit, Amamra St. Brown is, most, is the most startable wide receiver in the NFL for fantasy. Three players in the NFL have over the average points for top 24 wide receivers or top 36 running backs every week they have played in 2023. Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, and Amon Ra St. Brown. Or to put it another way, Amon Ra St. Brown hasn't finished with less than 14 PPR points in 2023, or outside the top 19 at the position, except once. He's third in points per game at the position and hasn't had as high a number of games with difference-making weeks, such as Tyreek Hill, Keenan Allen, and Justin Jefferson are all just about beat him in that mark. But pound for pound, he's the most startable wide receiver this season. For Green Bay, Christian Watson takes the lead in routes for the first time and finishes in the top 14. Patrick Taylor takes 48% of the snaps with Aaron Jones being out. As it was in week 3, when Aaron Jones wasn't on the field, Patrick Taylor took over a significant share of the snaps. He only took 13% of the rushing attempts compared to Dylan's 63%, but notably, Dylan wasn't more of a feature back once again while Aaron Jones was off the field. Christian Watson didn't run more routes than he has done this season or even see a season high in targets, nor did he earn targets more efficiently than he's been doing broadly in 2023. Instead, the connection in week 12 was just there against Detroit, as he took seven targets with an ADA of over 20, home for over 90 receiving yards, and a red zone touchdown on a pair of targets inside the 20-yard line. It's a promising sign for a second-year player who has been struggling this season. I just wouldn't expect it to start being more consistent for him moving forward either. In Houston, Nico Collins finishes as wide receiver 5 and Tank Dow as wide receiver 23. Many people are saying CJ Stroud might not be terrible. You see Nico Collins' good week, which it was. I see that Tank Dell still has a great floor, even when Collins uses his lower route share very well. The return of Damian Pierce, notably, did not inspire the team to remove any of the upside from Devin Singletary, or what he's brought to the role, anyway. Singletary still managed a snap share over 80%, which is remarkably high even for a lead running back in the NFL these days, while Pierce only returned to 18% of the snaps, which is remarkably low for a backfield in the modern NFL, even as a two. Singletary continues to be a top 20 running back start moving forward. For Indianapolis, Michael Pittman and Josh Downs both running high route shares but missing some touchdowns. The Colts have not scored a receiving touchdown in four weeks, and Michael Pittman, wide receiver 12, and Josh Downs, wide receiver 45, and waited, both in weighted opportunity, have been showing their flaw in fantasy points in that time. 
However, the team really should be able to pass for a touchdown soon, and both seem like they could have better games ahead in the next few weeks. For Jacksonville, the passing offense continues to take prominence, and Calvin Ridley follows up with another top 12 week. The team had a passing rate over its season-long average in each of the last three games. It's honestly the only thing I could think to add to the notes we made about it last week. In Kansas City, Rashi Rice looks more like a top 20 wide receiver. While we finished inside the top 12 in week 12, I don't think we can expect that kind of upside right now every week. Rashi Rice has held his season-high snap route share 16% this season, and as always was efficient on that volume with 7.6 expected points added. However, his route share and weighted opportunities are more top 20 than top 12 on a week-to-week basis. Still, it's clear the team continues to reward his performance with a larger share of the offense, and his range of outcomes exceeds his current dynasty value. For the Los Angeles Chargers, Gerald Everett finished in the top 5 at the position and takes a significant receiving role. Everett had 13% of the team's routes in week 12. It's not particularly high for the position, but combined with the red zone role and Donald Parham's earlier contributions, he could be a viable spot start or streamer for some dynasty teams if he's available. For Los Angeles Rams, Kyron Rome scores 38.4 points. Not much I can add to that. Royce Freeman, however, also took 34% of the snaps and finished inside the top 16, which I know because I had a best ball league and I got the points and I didn't even realize I rostered Royce Freeman. What a week to roster Rams players, except Cooper Cup, who was wide receiver 80 last week, or Tutu Atwell, who was wide receiver 37 last week, or Puka Nakua, who was wide receiver 65 last week. Even Tyler Higby finished with 19.9 PPR points as a tight end 2 last week, but our stars couldn't do it. But in that, we may have a clue. The secondary, if talented, weapons on the offense found room to grow in a game that went for 33 passing attempts and 33 rushing attempts, where the Rams won 33-13. The offense balance is fairly clear, but the ball was spread to ancillary options even in the red zone last week. Freeman has a decent share of the backfield, but is not sure but it's not used in the receiving game like Kyron. Tyler Higby has a significant share of the routes, 19.3%, but isn't a weekly top scorer and is more likely to be in the top 36 at the tight end position than the top 12. For Miami, Durham Smythe volume spikes in week 12. I'd like to talk more about Jalen Waddle being good or one of the better buys in Dynasty right now, but this is a trends and regression piece. Remember when I was excited about Durham Smythe's route share earlier this season? Well, it happened again. He had 17.8% of the route share. Of course, it only resulted in three targets and two PPR points, but it's worth noting if you have space on the back end of your bench in a Dynasty roster for a tight end. In New England, Mario Douglas, the new lower drafted slot receiver of choice? Question mark? I get asked about Demario Douglas quite a lot in the Dynasty grind, so I thought I'd bring it up here. Beats talking about how much Jack Mac Jones sucks, to be honest. Demario Douglas, Demario Douglas hasn't had less than 16% of the targets or routes since week 16. He scored over 11 PPR points every week in that time. He's a high slot player running 72% of his snaps in the slot, with a lower dot of 8.6. With his 6 round draft capital, that's relatively impressive, but it's a cap ceiling outside of Wes Welker and Julian Edelman, comparis- Julian Edelman comparisons, which seem fraught with not predictive contextual narratives. I.e., I don't bl- think being a New England slot receiver with scoring 7.8 points per game this season is more any more impressive than being an Arizona one like Rondell Moore. On the other hand, the difference between Josh Downs and Demario Douglas right now, from a career art perspective, is draft capital, 
and Downs' points per game being slightly higher with 10.6. While Douglas is certainly of interest, those are actually two features that do warrant more interest because they are more often better indicators of more positive fantasy results moving forward. But he's a roster and hope type of player because we don't know the future, but I don't see any particular regression due or blowout weeks coming, but his usage is fairly consistent and solid. In New Orleans, the Saints receiving offense broadens after their bye, and Juwan Johnson takes the lead in route share. Johnson led the team after the bye week with 19.9% of this route share, while Chris Olave was able to produce 18.4 PPR points with over 110 receiving yards on only 12.6% of the routes, third on the team. I'd expect the routes to concentrate back towards Chris Olave and perhaps back to A.T. Perry, who had, had, who had shown some signs of early growth before their week off. But in a tough loss to Atlanta, the team passed 38 times but only scored 15 points. It's clear the route percentage diversified due to the matchup and frustrated strategies. For the New York Jets, Tim Boyle, not the upside we deserve or need. There is some positive, like 73% of completions percentage on 38 passing attempts. Nine targets for Brees Hall and five just below league average red zone attempts, not to mention something of a connection with Garrett Wilson, who managed to finish in the top 20 and catch the lone receiving touchdown of the game for the Jets. However, it came with a lot of negative, like only 24 receiving yards for Brees Hall and seven total rushing attempts. The team is likely not going to be reformed on their third string quarterback, but there is some positive for fantasy purpose that we should keep an eye on. For Pittsburgh... Pat Fermuth returned to finish as a tight end one in PPR. Fermuth needed 11 targets and 112 receiving yards to do it, and the team isn't entering into a particularly good matchup schedule for the tight end position. Though next week is one of the more positive according to 4-4's adjusted fantasy points allowed. Nice to have the only third year tight end who hasn't disappointed you in Dynasty back on the field, and some of my off-season trades and takes finally paying off, at least for one week. For Tampa Bay, Chris Godwin hasn't scored a touchdown since week 8. Carolina isn't the best wide receiver matchup in the NFL, ranking as the third toughest matchup for the position by adjusted fantasy points allowed. But Mike Evans and Chris Godwin both have proven they can capitalize on their significant volume this season, and I'd expect production to turn back his way before the end of the 2022 season, so I keep starting Chris Godwin right now. In Tennessee, Chris Moore, second on the team in route share the last three weeks. He only had 9 total targets to show for it, but he has had 19% of the routes each of the last 3 weeks, and is only behind DeAndre Hopkins in terms of route share. His ADOT is deeper and down the field as well. Outside of his one game where he only had one target, he has 12 air yards under the ball most often, and only played in the slot on 34% of his snaps. He's a high upside player with low target volume, but as a third year undrafted free agent, it's notable enough I thought I'd bring it up. In Washington, Curtis Samuel has another blow-up isolation game. He played well and has talent, but he ran a similar route share as he's been running all season. His wide receiver 17 finish in Week 12 doesn't spell a rise and roll of the offense. Perhaps more importantly, it doesn't spell a move away from Terry McLaurin, who has 19.3% of the team's routes, or Jahan Dotson, who has 19.2% of the team's routes, as the lead receiving options on that team. Okay, that's about all I have for you this week. Thanks for checking out The Crossroads. You can check out all my data or my article for this week talking about similar trends and stuff that I do in this podcast on Patreon or Twitter. 
pinned to my Twitter timeline, pinned to my Patreon timeline, or check out my DLF version of both. Thanks very much, and I'll talk to you again next week. Yeah! Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight. Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more. Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars. Dropping bombs without no borders, they got that, I, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.